You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Nicholas, I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Now, we got a live studio audience here in San Jose at the Tabar Theater. Well, actually, let's hear that audience to start with. Come on, guys. Now, I'm really excited for this episode. I've known you for years. You were introduced by an amazing gentleman in the audience, Nick Larson, for this episode. I know you're doing a lot with him right now that we'll talk about later on, but you know, just to start off, can you give our audience, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your career up until this point? Sean, thank you for having me first off to the podcast uh, this evening. I appreciate it. We're going to talk a lot about uh, community and partnership here tonight. And you are fostering community through bringing these people together for your podcast. So thank you for launching the Silicon Valley podcast and, and fostering that spirit of innovation and, and community. Thank you for reading off that script that I wrote you <laughs> word for word. I'm pretty impressed there. But Nicholas, you got to tell us about your career. I mean, it's been pretty, it's been pretty amazing. You got to tell us. So a little bit about myself, I guess, before we launch into some things that we're, we're working on right now. We're, we're sitting in San Jose. We're sitting in beautiful downtown San Jose tonight for the recording. So I'll start with the fact that my family has been here in the beautiful city of St. Joseph, San Jose, for four generations. I'm a proud fourth generation San Josean. So our roots go deep here. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk, uh, as I mentioned, about partnership. Part of the idea of partnership is uh, how we continue to partner with valuable ideas, opportunities, people. And San Jose is full of that. My career has been in San Jose worked uh, at a boutique agency and then led the public relations department at Coakley Hagerty, which was an advertising and PR agency for many years here in the Valley. And it started Nineco Communications 2011. And so we're celebrating 11 and a half years at Nineco this year. So have done some fun things with a lot of amazing people. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that tonight. Wait, but Nicholas, why start in 2011? I mean, I know thinking back, that's the ideal time with everything happening in the world. So how'd you know to jump on the opportunity right then in 2011? It was an interesting time to start. Sean is being facetious because it was a horrible time to start a business. Most will remember 08, 09. Those were rough years. 2010 was really not much better. And so we were just coming off of that. And so I think a lot of people thought that I was off my rocker a bit to start a company in 2011 with the wonky economy we had at the time. But I really believed in the network that I had created, that I had built for quite some time and believed in that the network that would ultimately become prospective clients as well. So starting this, this company, this team, it's so important to have the right people on a team for any company. So how does one know when they have the right team? How do they know they have the right people there? It's a great question. I think, you know, when we talk a lot about team, a team is the word we use at Nineco, right? That is ultimately what we are. I don't do it alone. I can't do it alone. And it is about us, right? Silicon Valley is 
that type of idea, right? It's not a place. Silicon Valley is an idea. And I think the, at the core, the idea of Silicon Valley is team. It is the opportunity and ability to scale through collaboration. The only way you can do that is by surrounding yourself with and by a team who can help foster that same ethos. So I think your question of how do you know when you found the right person or the right team is that they understand culturally how the company they're working with, not for, but with, fits into a larger idea of community. And not just the industry, but how they can better understand communities they serve. I think today it actually happened. We had a really big win for one of our clients yesterday. Really great broadcast pitch for an amazing client. We were telling the story and pitching a journalist. And we had our client drive up to KTVU Fox 2 Studios in Oakland yesterday. And they did the mornings on two show. There was a five-minute segment. Well, for people in my industry, they know five minutes is a very long time. If you get 40 seconds on broadcast coverage, that's golden. So for five minutes, our agency was looking like the golden child to this amazing client of ours. And I got a text from a couple of our staffers. And one of the staffers, one of our team members said, I'm so happy and proud to be part of your team. And I immediately fired back a text saying, our, in caps, our team. Because it's really important to me that it's not about me. It's about our team. It's about the collective good. And it's about the community that we are creating to help serve and service our clients. I'm curious that community being built with that, you're working with, not for. How do you... I don't don't want to say recruit for that, but how do you make sure that that mindset is there from day one? And I'm also kind of curious, how'd you get those five minutes on on television? Well, that's part of my secret sauce, which we may or may not get into later, but... Let's grab a few more of those drinks. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Surrounding, you know, surrounding yourself by people who are ultimately smarter than you is, is critical. I do that daily. And one of our publicists secured that and he worked hard to, to get it done. I, I think the, the idea of taking risks is important. I've taken a lot of risks in my personal and professional life. And one of those risks that once in a while I will take is in-house or they go into journalism and work in a newsroom, wherever they land. Their education has not prepared them for what reality actually is or what reality becomes. And so part of what we see as our charge as our agency is to also double down on the next generation of publicists and strategists and marketers. And so that they understand, yes, you're going to be able to perhaps start your career with us, but you can have a home here and grow with us as well. Well, then question with that, is it better than to hire one of these people that have gone through this training, through the schooling, or someone that has zero background at all? And do you think there's other industries that are finding the same situation? You need a balance. I'm a big believer in balance in all things. And 
your staffing needs to be balanced as well. And I think most folks in HR would agree with that statement. Now, I am not in HR. Uh, you know, as chief everything officer of a boutique agency, I do the hiring, right? And so that is certainly something on my plate. We promoted an individual who's been with our agency for five years earlier in February of this year to vice president of our company. And she, have they always been the same? Were they set on day one? Were they set a year before? Are they evolving? What are the rules of business for you? That's an interesting question. I could go a few different ways in answering that. I'm going to start with a couple of rules that I have. And these are personal and professional rules. And then I'll talk about industry and why we are industry agnostic. So I think one of my biggest rules, and I'm sure this might get a little bit of a chuckle from those listening, but I hope that many who are listening will share this rule with me. I have a no asshole rule. And I believe that life is just too damn short to work with anyone driven by ego. So I park mine at the door every morning when I walk into the office and I demand that of others on my team, of our client roster, of our community partners. And if there is an ounce of ego, that is probably not the partner for us. That is probably not the client for us. That is probably not the employee for us. I think people approach this in different ways. And some don't come to this objective realization of truth until they're in their 60s or 70s. I'm 37. I came to this realization of truth pretty early in my life and in my career. And it's something I really live by. Another rule that I have is understanding of real partnership. Our agency is not a vendor to any of our clients. We have the most amazing clients in both of our regions. We're proud, proud to be headquartered in San Jose. We launched our Los Angeles office six and a half years ago. And we partner with amazing industries and amazing talent and amazing companies. But none of those companies see us as a vendor. They see us as a partner. And there is a massive difference. We have become strategic business partners to our clients. Let me say that again, because I think it's really worth repeating. We have become strategic business partners for our clients. So much so that they will rely on our consultation, our sage advice for opportunities that drive their own revenue, that drive their opportunity for growth, for their scaling. Because they know that ultimately, we take their marketing and messaging process and connect it to their business development goals. The second part of your question, or the first part of your question, but I'm answering it now, is uh, talking a little bit about industry. And, and so we're industry agnostic. So we work with any industry. We work with retail and tech. We work with real estate and finance. We work with law everything under the sun imaginable. And that not only creates something fun for our publicists, for our team to work on and pitch content, and our creative team to produce amazing, compelling advertising campaigns for lots of industries, 
But it also, from a practical business standpoint, we're not leaving revenue on the table. And I worked for a couple agencies in the past where we were very focused on one, two, or three specific industries. So when I launched Ninico years ago, I always said we wouldn't do that. So why not niche down and be a specialist in one industry? There are pros and cons to it. There are pros, certainly, to be able to say, well, we sort of own that space. That is our domain and no one can touch us. But I would prefer people to say that about our industry, about our agency, about our brand, about our team, about our company, about our people, that they are the best agency to work with, not for a specific industry. But, oh, you're looking for an agency? Oh, you've got to go work with that. Let's move away from your company and let's talk about kind of business knowledge in general for the entrepreneurs listening to the podcast. Most of our listeners are starting their own companies or VCs or investors investing in companies. And I mean, one of the greatest things is just to hear that or get that email, that one knowledge, that one piece of information that I got from the show and implement in my company. There's a comment that, that was said, not, not earlier this episode, but in the past that I heard, return on involvement. What does return and involvement mean for you? So return on involvement is a trademark that we own, our agency, one of a couple. And return on involvement, when you boil it all down, is about establishing trust. It is about better understanding community. I can better understand my industry, my community, when I get involved in something that's bigger than myself. It could be volunteerism with your local Rotary Club. It could be the understanding and importance of doubling down on supporting something that's important to you in, the, in your local region, like the arts. It could be, from a professional standpoint, it could be joining a chamber of commerce and networking and providing access and being given access through that involvement. But at the end of the day, it's about caring. It's about heart. And so rather than saying return on investment, which is grossly overused and people have lost touch with what that even is supposed to mean, we use return on involvement and we sell that idea not only in our industry across the country, but certainly to our clients. And we look for clients who want to partner with us as their agency who understand that idea. Interesting. What organizations would you recommend an entrepreneur or business owner go out and join? There's so many out there, Lions Club, Chamber of Commerce, the list goes on and on. Where has the best return on involvement you've seen been? That's a great question. I think for the entrepreneurs who are listening to this, there's a few opportunities for them. You know, also they're looking at how they can afford to get involved at different levels. And I want to be cognizant of that for these entrepreneurs who are looking for some advice. Because in some cases, the barrier to entry is 
a little bit of a sticker shock to them. And they are also in those moments trying to prove that it's valuable to their investors and to their team to do these things. And I would say that trying to get involved with the local business community outside of your industry is important. So when you start to talk about what tech industry specific in tech, right, that you're getting involved is, is it, is it SaaS? Is it, is it green tech? Is it something completely different? Oh, well, then the brain sort of goes there, right? Well, if I'm running a shop that is dedicated to this idea, that's the space I need to get involved in. I take a very different approach. I say that's the last space you want to get involved in because ultimately you're going to be showing up to events, you're going to be spending dollars on sponsorship and advertising to advertise to your competition. It's like I always laugh a little bit when I open San Francisco Business Times or uh, Silicon Valley Business Journal or Los Angeles Business Journal. And I... It's another Silicon Valley. Silicon, is there a magazine or anything? Silicon Valley Magazine. Yeah. Well, Silicon Valley Magazine. Yeah, we'll get into that one too. I'm on their advisory board. Awesome publication. But when, when I see an ad for a contractor or a real estate developer and adjacent to content that is all about real estate development, well... Isn't that sort of strange, right? Don't you want to... Well, where does a general contractor get their work? They get it from the developer. So the contractor should really be aligned and placed in front of the real estate developer, not the contractor, because you're wasting your dollars, right? It's like our agency is sold on the idea all the time of, oh, well, you want to be on the page with your agency. No, that I don't want to spend dollars on being in front of other agencies, I want to spend it on the top philanthropists in Silicon Valley because their family foundations are doing incredible work in our region. And those are the people I want to work with or the contractors or the top tech firms that have been funded in the last six months. Those are the key players I want to be in front of. So then how does a company go about finding that right target for them to go after without spending a ton of money to find that target. They hire Ninico Communications. Shameless plug there. Shameless plug. I had to. If there isn't budget, and let's be honest, in the early days, there, there really isn't budget, right? I mean, I bootstrap you know, the company in the early days. It was hard. It was rough. I re- I'll tell you some stories about those early days, but if we have time. The biggest bang for your buck when you're starting up is getting out there and doing it yourself in person. Be present. And that checks back to the idea of return on involvement. Showing up, right? You know, like our local chamber of commerce has its annual big barbecue coming up, right? And people might think, well, why would I go to a barbecue? That's sort of seems like a random event until they get there and they realize, oh, Nicholas mentioned that I should be here. And now I understand it's because 500 of Silicon Valley's most influential business leaders are here for me to shake hands with and get to know. So showing up and participating is half the battle. And with that, how important is it to have an outgoing CEO running the company? Or if the person is more of an introvert, 
who should take that CEO's place at these events? Who should be out there shaking hands at the very beginning when there's such a small team? I mean, it almost sounds like it's a requirement that the CEO be this outgoing, loud individual. With all the charisma in the world. Yes. I don't know if that's necessarily 100% always needed. It certainly doesn't hurt. And I think for a lot of reasons, it's why we continue to see after certain rounds of funding, especially in Silicon Valley, but down in Santa Monica and Silicon Beach as well, I see it with a lot of companies we engage in conversation with either for, you know, client work, or I'm an advisor to the company in some capacity that they do end up replacing their CEO. And that's a hard conversation to have, right? I'm an advisor to a company. I come in, I'm sitting down with the board and with the CEO and we're saying, Hey, I'm sorry, but it's time to go. That's a really hard thing to do. And you've got to respect that individual for taking it as far as they can. But at some point, there might be an opportunity to build success in a different way. They will always be founder, right? That's okay. That's a good thing. I think the most valuable CEOs know when to step aside themselves. It's like, you know, when you think of the greats of the arts and entertainment world, uh, you, you think of Julie Andrews or Barbara Streisand, uh, Pavarotti. I mean, these individuals stepped aside and decided to end their own career on stage before they knew that their voice was going to disappear. And, and they did that themselves. If you liken that to business, we unfortunately don't have enough CEOs doing that. That's interesting. So later stage companies, the CEOs, they negotiate their packages going in. They have an out. Early stage CEOs, they, they don't think that. If a CEO, I'm trying to, I want to ask, you know, marketing PR question for you. As a company grows, how much attention should the CEO put around his personal brand versus the company's brand? Great question. I'll talk about this with you all night. This is a great question. I am a huge believer in the idea of thought leadership and the opportunity thought leadership can add to doubling down on the credibility of a company. I think it's great. And we work with media, journalists, reporters, producers, almost every day, but certainly weekly, to drive that idea home, pitching our clients as thought leaders in their own industries. So then how does one position themselves as a thought leader in an industry? Pick about two or three main topics and don't stray from those topics. The minute you start to stray from those two or three main themes you start to be seen as, oh, well, he sort of thinks he knows a little bit of everything. Or, God, she's really not answering the question I asked. She's going all over the place because she thinks she can do it. Big mistake. Stay focused. Stay focused because by staying focused, you remain relevant. Okay, I should have asked this at the very, very beginning, but I forgot. Marketing versus PR. 
What's the difference? Yeah. Question I get all the time, right? And, and others will throw in communications and public relations and advertising and all of these social media. How does this work with this and this? And if you think of marketing communications, marketing communications as the umbrella of our industry, advertising, public relations, social media, you know, all of these other key pieces that you're talking about now fall within that industry, fall within that space. They are their own processes and very important processes. And they can be super strategic and thoughtful. But we like to say marketing communications is the industry at large. When working with a company, I mean, you're an outside marketing PR company, correct? We are. Say a startup comes to you and goes, we have a marketer we just hired. We're a team of 10 now. You know, not, not that early, maybe pre-A, maybe A round. And they want to work with an outside marketing PR company. How is that relationship organized looks like when they already have an in-house marketer on, on their staff? Well, for any startup, I look at three things. I look for funding, I look for traction, and I look at team. Those are really three fundamentals for a startup to be able to work collaboratively with an agency partner. I would say that probably over 80% of all of the startups that I've worked with in the past, certainly with Ninico in the past 11 years, but even before that, do not have a full team in their internal organizational capacity. They may have a marketing director. They may have a VP of operations who dabbles in marketing and thinks that he knows or she knows a little bit about marketing. But they are coming to us because they know they need that assistance. And I would say that it is important and helpful to have an internal champion with our clients, with our current client roster. We have many internal champions. And for many of those clients, they happen to be the president or CEO of that company with whom we have great relationships. So it is helpful. I think the challenge is not necessarily having or not having the marketing director internally. I think the challenge is, can the CEO sit down and listen long enough to what we have to say? And we work a little bit differently if it's the agency coming in versus me as an advisor to a company or, or a team. At the end of the day, if the CEO can truly listen. Now, she doesn't need to take our advice. But if she can't listen, there's something that's fundamentally broken. And it's not a relationship. It's not a partnership. Because I listen to my partners. I may not always agree with my partners. I may do the opposite of what they want me to. But I at least have the common decency to listen. And you can't learn without listening. How many CEOs have I coached over the past decade plus who don't listen and so they can't learn? And that's a, that's a challenge, certainly. Again, you don't need to take my advice. But if you don't listen to it, you're not going to be able to grow. Interesting. I mean, from an outsider looking in, 
telling if a company is coachable or not. Are you almost able from day one when you start working with them or other marketing, other PRs to really kind of say, hey, this company got a, got a feeling they're going to go places or got a feeling they're going to peter out in the next before their next round? I would say it is an early gut feeling. Yes, that I have. But generally speaking, it all checks back to the CEO. And if the CEO is coachable, truly, I mean, truly coachable, then we'll lean in and we will lean in hard with that company and that CEO. And um, it's, it's, it's important. So outside other agencies, how can your company know, you know, say you're in Tennessee, say you're in New York, how to go about looking for the right market and the right PR company to work with? Well, I think all great PR is local. I think all great PR is local. And I think, I think the vast majority of our clients would agree with that. And I also believe that the idea of storytelling is able to be told in a better way when you have connectivity to the community at a local level. Now, it may bubble regional, it may bubble national. And yes, certainly we look for those opportunities with some of our clients, should it be relevant to their brand and to their business. But if you don't start local, then you're missing an opportunity to tell captive stories to an audience that really matters to that brand. So I always laugh a little bit when we might be in the running for a prospective business opportunity with a company. And they're looking at two or three other agencies. And we're the only local agency. And maybe this, this company is you know, in Los Angeles and we're in Los Angeles. But all of the other agencies are Chicago, Dallas, New York. Or they're all in New York because, oh, well, we have to have a New York agency. Oh, well, we just have to, they have to be, their address must say Madison Avenue. Oh, give me a break. Come on. What's your local presence? How many people from that staff are engaged in the community? Are they on the Chamber of Commerce board? What's their level of engagement with nonprofit entities in the community? How are they serving the less fortunate? What are they doubling down on the idea of making sure that A, the letter A remains in steam? This idea of STEM is ridiculous. It's about STEAM. And STEM... Break down STEAM. What's that? STEAM. Yeah, tell us. Well, you know, the, of course, the idea of STEM being, you know, in Silicon Valley, we all talk about, you know, science and math and technology and engineering and all these amazing facets of the, the way we choose to live our life here in Silicon Valley. But I always say a city without art is a city without a soul. And the fundamental difference between including A in the word STEAM or dropping it to simply be STEM is huge. Do we include right and left brain and ensure that we are doubling down on educating our next generation with all of it? Or are we leaving a critical component out? I think you won the audience over with that one. 
And this is going to set us up later for when you sing in, 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 the, in the Q&A part. Nicholas, outside of your, your marketing, your PR company, what else are you working on? What lies ahead in the future? Well, there's a few things. The one I, I can tell you a little bit about, but I can't get into detail, is... You don't need to go into anything you're uncomfortable with. Ignore it. You can even tell us about some goals and milestones or what you see in the future. A few friends of mine and I have put a really big idea together. And it's an idea that is showing some very early success. And it's going to help motivate some really impressive startups in the Bay Area in the coming months. Well, then I guess a question right there is, if, if someone is successful on one track, what motivates them to start another track? So I get the question a lot about, well, when we celebrated our 10-year anniversary of the agency, okay, what's next? Right? Thinking I was done. Well, I'm still having fun. It's still fun. So I'm still, I've still got my hand in the agency game. And I was on the board of our Public Relations Society of America chapters, and I've done those things, and American Advertising Federation, and all those great things to, to be involved in in our larger industry. But if you can create success in one arena, could you do it elsewhere? And I think the answer is yes. And I believe the answer is yes because of community, because I'm a believer in community. So, I am now taking what I've learned, having been a CEO now for 11 years, which has been an enormous education, and now deploying a lot of that knowledge into other areas of life. And some of that might be with this opportunity that these individuals and I are putting together. But I'm also an advisor to several companies in the Bay Area and Los Angeles. and. That allows me to stay at the cutting edge of what's possible in technology and innovation and real estate and retail, working with some amazing people and companies. At the end of the day, though, we all know people don't invest in companies. They invest in people. Okay. Right? And so that brings us back to that idea of partnership. And with that, if anyone wants to find out more information about you, what you're working on, what's the best way to go about doing that? Ninico.com is our... URL for the agency. I am available on LinkedIn to connect with. And our Twitter feed for the agency is Ninico.com with two M's. All right. And for our listeners out there, when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm a mid-market investment banker focused on mergers, acquisition, growth capital, and secondaries. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Only Sean Flynn investment banker there. And for everyone at home, please go on the Silicon Valley podcast. Check us out. You listen to this episode on any podcast platform and also, you know, our YouTube videos where you get to see two handsome gentlemen in an amazing theater in San Jose talk. So with that, Nicholas, I want to thank you for your time here on the Silicon Valley podcast audience. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley podcast. To access our resources, visit us at the siliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only and is licensed by the Investors Podcast Network. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.